I know what time it is. You got me, Carson? We good? All right. So don't worry. We'll uh, we'll keep this we'll keep this short. But I was I was thankful that Mark gave me an opportunity as we have uh, been venturing in and looking at the Book of Psalms for for the last several Sundays. I was very thankful that uh, he said, "Hey." As our worship pastor is a, the person who kind of speaks into the singing of songs and psalms in our church, would you take a Sunday? Now, it's kind of turned out to be an interesting Sunday, so I don't know that I'm fully equipped to embrace the realities that, uh, that our city and um, that our region is facing, but I'm very excited to just stand in this moment and to be reminded and to, to use and read the psalm that we're going to share together as a reminder that, uh, that God is is a mighty God, and uh, He is worthy of all of our praise and adoration. Um, but before we get into the, uh, the scripture that I'm going to read, um, kind of the, the thought this morning is that um, we're going to look at an oxymoron that sometimes occurs in the life of the church when it comes to how we worship. Now, does everybody know what an oxymoron is? All right, well, let me show you a few... Everybody, does anybody know what an oxymoron is? <laughs> Let me show you a few. We'll look at a few examples here on the screen of some oxymorons in place. All right, so, so here's the first. Thought that was an, that's an oxymoron. Everybody with me? Do, do I need to explain that one or are we good? Always, always open, but yet closed. All right, here's the next one. Nothing is written in stone. All right, here's another one for us. No photography. Now, that one's a little bit harder because someone took a picture of the sign that says no photography. All right, you, you, you with me on that one? All right, Here, here's another one. From what I hear, there was quite a few folks in Jacksonville with the uh, traffic lights out that kind of obeyed this rule here. Stop, keep moving. You know, whichever, whichever one you want to honor, just go for it. All right, Here, here's another one. Now, I'll read it for you in case the, uh, the, the graphic's hard to read. It's a mall maintenance shop. We can repair anything. In parentheses, please knock hard on the door. The bell doesn't work. <laughs> they can fix everything but their own doorbell. All right. Touching wires causes instant death, $200 fine. Something tells me if I'm dead, I'm not too worried about the fine. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's okay. I'm dead. Send it to my family. All right. And this is my favorite. Now, I don't know if this is real or Photoshop. Something tells me this has got to be Photoshopped. Everybody's taking the escalator into the uh, fitness center. So, um, you know, sometimes, too, uh, we, we view worship as an oxymoron. What I mean by that is I, I encounter a lot of people who just say, you know, church is just boring. And I think, man, when we come to worship, if we truly understand what worship is about, there should be nothing about our gatherings in this place that is ever boring. There shouldn't ever be a moment that we are bored when we gather as worshipers. It, it reminds me of the story of a, of a little guy who was with his granddad. He was seven or eight years old, and his uh, granddad um, brought him to church, and, and the little boy, uh, they, the, the, the pastor was preaching, and after the uh, service was over, the, the granddad asked his grandson, hey, what'd you think about the s- service today? What'd you think about the pastor's sermon? He said, well, you know, I, I did learn 
how high I could count. And he said, well, what do you mean? He said, well, I started when the pastor started preaching and I ended at 5,682. And sometimes we treat even our times of, of corporate learning and studying the Word of God, we kind of, we kind of are like that little boy. It's, we, we treat it as boring as we open up the divinely inspired Word of God. We, we walk away feeling like, well, that was uninspiring. And that was rather boring. And my prayer for my life and my prayer for our gatherings as we worship and as we study the Word of God, that we always walk in anticipating something phenomenal to take place anticipating that God is going to move in some way that we have never experienced Him moving before. And so we're going to look at, and if you have your scripture, I'd love for you to turn to Psalm 96, because that's where we're going to spend just a few minutes this morning as we, as we look at the beauty of the Psalms, and as we look at this powerful privilege we have in worship. And the words are the... Uh, each verse is going to pop up behind me. Don't worry, it's, it's only 13 verses, so it's not too overwhelming for us this morning. Psalm 96, verse 1 says this, Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, praise His name. Proclaim His salvation day after day. Declare His glory among the nations. His marvelous deeds among all peoples. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before Him. Strength and glory are in His sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of nations. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due His name. Bring an offering and come into His courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of His holiness. Tremble before Him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. The world is firmly established. It cannot be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens rejoice. Let the earth be glad. Let the sea resound in all that is in it. Let the fields be jubilant and everything in them. Then all the trees of the forest will sing for joy. They will sing before the Lord, for He comes. He comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in His truth. And as I read those verses, there's four things that jump out at me. And the first, the first thing that jumps out at me, and we see it in the very first three verses. We are commanded several times in those first three verses, not suggested, not recommended, but we are commanded to sing We are commanded to sing, and not just to sing, but it even tells us that we should sing a new song. Now, some of us are very comfortable singing new songs, and some of us are not as comfortable singing new songs. As a matter of fact, if you looked at the songs that we sang today, and went back in time ten years ago, then over half those songs we weren't singing as a church ten years ago. But the psalm teaches us, the psalms teach us that we should sing a new song, but it doesn't always mean brand new. When you look at that Hebrew word for new there, you you actually see that it could take two different meanings. The first meaning could be a brand new song. Sing a brand new song. But there's a second meaning, and that could be sing an old song like it's brand new to you. And... When I sing songs like It Is Well With My Soul, and I've grown up a Baptist, and, and so I've sung that song thousands of times in the course of my life. 
And sometimes I'm more afraid of singing an old song than I am singing a new song. And here's what I'm afraid about singing an old song. I'm afraid I've sung it so many times that I don't even care or think about what it means anymore. I just start finding those harmonies and I just start singing along because it's the same old song I've been singing for, for tens and dozens of years. And Scripture teaches us, sing a new song like it's an old song. I'm reminded of, of when this really played out in my life, and I've shared this story in a, a previous opportunity, so I won't belabor the, the point, but I learned this um, the Sunday after Lauren and I found out that there were complications with our third pregnancy that ultimately led to a, a stillbirth, and it was a, a tragic season in our lives, but we met with the doctor on a Friday, and he gave us the news, and that very next Sunday, I stood in front of a congregation, and the song, one of the songs that I had selected weeks in advance for that Sunday, not knowing of what was going on in our life, was a song called, Great is Thy Faithfulness. And I know that um, odds are many of us in this room have experienced the tragedy of losing a child um, in the womb. It's just statistically something that a lot of people go through. In that moment, on that Sunday, that was an old song that I sang a new way. Because I had to wrestle with the reality of whether or not I truly believed that God is faithful. And so, we're commanded to sing. We're commanded to sing new songs. Now, there's some of us in this room that would say, well, I'm just not a singer. Well, unfortunately, Psalm 96 and numerous other psalms do not say, sing unless you can't sing, and then you're free to not sing. (laughs) The book of Psalms 96 and many others say, sing. It's a declaration. It's a declarative. We are commanded to do that. It's not an optional thing. And so many times as I, as I get the opportunity to lead worship, I look around the room and I see a lot of people not singing. And I just see, I just think, why we're missing Psalm 96. And not just because we, we don't want to be disobedient, but because of the privilege that singing brings to our soul. The privilege that singing brings to an almighty God. Because it's not, because I love this. And 10,000 Reasons is a song that Matt Redman wrote a few years ago. And the chorus of the song says, Bless the Lord, O my soul. And I wrestled with this until I found that scripture actually backs it up that, that you know that when we sing, we actually bless God. Now that's hard for me to comprehend how a sinner like me and a, and a guy as messed up as I am and a group of people as messed up as we are, how that when we sing, God is blessed by it. But Scripture teaches us that when we sing, that when we worship, God is blessed. And that we are blessed and that we then have the privilege of being a blessing to others all because we choose to worship and we choose to sing. And, you know, another thing I love about singing is is that singing is something that's been around. It's been around from the dawn of creation. As a matter of fact, if you were to turn to Job chapter 38, verse 7, God is kind of talking about the foundations of the establishment of the earth. And he actually says that the stars were singing. 
upon the foundation, the, the, the moment that God spoke the world into existence. Psalm 38, uh, excuse me, Job 38, 7 says that the stars were singing the praises of God from the very, from the very onset of our creation. And then if you were to look over in the book of Revelation, I love this about, I love this about worship. I love this about singing. If you looked in Revelation, many references all throughout Revelation, but Revelation 15.3 talks about the fact that there are those gathered around the throne that, that for all of, for all of eternity, worship. So we have a chance to sing now in this place, in this day, in this age, as we join with worship that's been surrounding the throne of God for all of eternity. The second thing that I see here is uh, I see that, because maybe you're saying, okay, well, I understand that we're supposed to sing, but, but why should we sing? And as I look at the next few verses, verses 4 through 6, Verses 4 through 6 say this, The king is mighty, oh, excuse me, wrong, wrong psalm, I'm sure that's a really good uh, psalm as well, but uh, for great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods, for all the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him, strength and glory are in his sanctuary. So perhaps you wonder, well, why should I worship God? And we see in these verses that he is a mighty God. That there is no other God like Him. So why should we gather and why should we worship? Because He alone is worthy of our praise. So we see there that, that He is a great Lord. And that He made all things. Verses 7-10, through 10, it says that we, should give him, that we should give Him the credit. And I love this. I love this word ascribe. We see it several times in this moment. Three times in these verses, we see the word ascribe, starting in verse 7. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of nations. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due His name. As human beings, we are inclined, inclined to ascribe glory to something. Now, we're going to watch a, a brief video. It's a little bit longer um, then we're not going to watch the whole thing. But this is a moment where a room full of people who initially had a little bit of uncertainty or perhaps even um, flat out didn't believe what was about to happen, we see a room of people turn and we see them begin to ascribe glory to someone. Let's, let's watch this video together. We'll pretend that didn't happen.
All right, we'll stop it right there. So, isn't that amazing? We see a room full of people. That This is Susan Boyle, by the way. Britain's Got Talent. This was a few years ago. She's now one of the most well-known singers in all of England, for sure, and, and around the world. But in this moment, nobody had ever heard of her. And when she walked out, she was kind of awkward, and people were kind of making fun of her and questioning her. But the minute she began to sing, they began to see something is different about this gal. They began to ascribe glory. They began to clap. They began to cheer. They began to stand in appreciation for this gal. You know, as a matter of fact, last night I was doing the same thing. It was late. It was about midnight. I was watching a, I was watching a sporting event on television. <laughs> and a team that I'm really a big fan of, in the last closing minute of a very significant ball game, blocked an extra point that led their team to victory. And in that moment, at midnight, with a room full of sleeping family members, I was very carefully ascribing to that television and to that group of athletes playing on a field in Miami the glory that I felt like they deserved in that moment. We are inclined to ascribe glory to individuals or things. God is saying in these verses, ascribe glory to me. Do not give your glory or adulation or praise to anyone other than me because I'm worth it and nothing else is. We are so inclined as individuals to want to praise something. God tells us when we gather in corporate worship, we are to praise him. And not just in corporate worship, but when we live out our lives. We are to point others towards him at all times. As a matter of fact, that's what these last few verses are referencing The last thing we can do is is we can expect is coming. Verses 10 through 13, it says that we should say among the nations. Here's what I hear about that right there in verse 10, that when we worship, we are declaring to people who are not worshipers that God is worthy of our praise. Do we worship in such a way that non-believing people are drawn to what takes place in our lives because in our worship, we are declaring to the nation that our God reigns. And then it goes on to say that the world is firmly established. In verse 11, the heavens rejoice, let the earth be glad. And then in verse 13, it says, they will sing before the Lord, for He comes, He comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in His truth. This last thought is a reminder to me that Jesus is coming back. Now, when the psalmist wrote these words, He didn't have the benefit of seeing Jesus the first time yet. But since this psalm has been written, we have seen Jesus come to life in the New Testament. And we also are aware that Jesus comes again. There will be a day where he comes and he brings, this is tough for us to swallow in this day and age. He comes and he brings judgment. He comes and he brings mercy. But we must be prepared for that day. And as we worship, we worship in such a way that we are anticipating that Jesus will come again. And as we worship and as we declare among the nations that our God reigns, we are worshiping and declaring in such a way that they are mindful that there will be a day where Jesus will come. I love the privilege of worship. I love the opportunity that we have to gather and to sing in this room, to study God's word. But then there is this element of worship that transfers beyond the doors and the walls of this church.
It transfers into our everyday life. It transfers into our relationships as we have the privilege of living a life of worship that proclaims to others that He alone is worthy of our praise. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank You. We thank You for... We thank You for Your great love for us. We thank You that You are far and above, superior to all other things. God, forgive us when there are moments in our life where we choose or desire to ascribe glory to anything and anyone other than You. You alone deserve the glory the honor, and the praise. Thank You for Your Son, Jesus, who in His great love for us, even as we were in the middle of our sin, Jesus laid down His life so that we might have new life. Thank You for the opportunity to worship, to come together with like-minded believers and sing our praises and to live our lives in such a way that you are lifted high. God, help us to model worship as we engage people in our community. Maybe even this afternoon as we go to rake yards and cut limbs and restore this community. God, maybe we have the privilege of living out worship in such a way that people are drawn not to us as individuals, not to Mandarin Baptist Church, but people are drawn to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You are a great God. You are worthy to be praised. In this moment, there will be a couple of the pastors who will be available down front. We're going to close with one final song. Maybe, maybe you have questions about what a life of worship looks like. Maybe you just want to come to the altar and spend a few moments just conversing with God. Or maybe you have questions and aren't ready right now, but after the service, there will be a few of us available in the missions room directly behind me to talk with you about what it means to be a worshiper of the one true God. However God is speaking to you in this moment, my encouragement to you is to be obedient to the way that He is moving in and through you. Let's stand together. Let's worship in song. He's a great God.